Littlefinger from Game of Thrones once said that chaos is a ladder. And the last two years have felt like complete chaos. But through all that comes opportunity. Because in today's show, we are going to be talking about where your company can still seize opportunity through LinkedIn, podcasting, and embracing the pivot. Welcome into another episode of Cyberly. I am your host, Blythe Brumleave, and we cover the attention economy, B2B marketing, and how it all fits into the world of logistics. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about developing a company LinkedIn strategy with your employees. We're going to close things out later on in the show with takeaways from FreightWave Sales and Marketing Summit that just happened yesterday. And then special guests that we're going to have on the show today is GLT's Chief Marketing Officer, Lena Acosta. And then we're also chatting with Cameron Pichet, owner of Valley Trucking Insurance and host of Get a Load of This podcast. But for our first topic, let's talk about developing that company LinkedIn strategy because as a little bit of a, I guess, a historical background, if you can really call it a historical background, when every when COVID first hit, it was the opportunity where all, really all live events went virtual. And Freightways was one of the first companies to take their big live event and move it into a virtual space. And so when that happened, that's when the Slack community was born and all of these great folks from all over, really the globe, started joining in on discussions within Slack, within these live events that they were hoping to meet people in person, but then those conversations had to move virtually. So that was really sort of the ethos for me whenever LinkedIn really started gaining popularity specifically among the freight industry. And since then, it's just been building and building and building. And it's kind of wonderful to see where you think of as uh, an organization or a platform like LinkedIn that's traditionally thought of as a place where it's just a, you know, essentially a, a glorified job resume that you're, or you're only going onto that platform when you're looking for a new job. So that's when it's time to update your LinkedIn resume. That's historically what that platform is thought of. But many companies are still struggling with what to do with LinkedIn. And this is probably because they're overcomplicating things. So I'm going to try to help you simplify this strategy moving forward into 2022 and beyond because the organic reach possibilities within LinkedIn are some of the best on social media as far as unpaid. You don't have to pay to get access to your audience. Whereas other platforms like Facebook and Instagram, those platforms have leaned more towards paying to have that same reach that you used to have back in the day. So let's try to change that perception a little bit of LinkedIn being sort of a, you know, a, a glorified job resume into a place where you can actively start helping your companies build their personal brand. And then also by synonymously, you're building your own company brand using the employees that you already have. So let's try to change that percep perception. And first off, I want to start with this clip from Cargo Margot. I was on her podcast uh, recently, but she just posted this clip from our conversation about the value of LinkedIn. So let's go ahead and play that clip. I advise a lot of companies that you should be using your employees as the metric for your social media success. And I think for a lot of companies, they're, they're almost scared to let their employees post regularly about their role, about what they're doing within the company because they, they need all of that control and they got to go through 12 different approval levels in order for you know that, that one post to get approved when there's so much more of a, of a natural fluidity that comes from just letting your employees speak their mind, you wanna have a little bit of restrictions, obviously. You don't wanna be 
you know, bashing religious groups or um, you probably want to steer away from politics a little bit unless politics plays a role in what you're doing. Um, so I think for a lot of companies, it's, it's letting go of the control aspect and letting your employees do a little bit of that experimentation for you. Now, with that clip, you have to keep in mind that a, a lot of companies have sort of held a stranglehold on on what their employees are going to be posting on social media and not because rightfully so, you know, th th there's other instances that have happened where somebody has said something that they shouldn't have. It's probably in the, the, the political realm of they said something that they shouldn't have. And that discussion turns into sort of a lightning rod discussion. This is not what I'm talking about during this segment. I'm talking about embracing the employee's role within your company and allowing them to talk about how they help the, the, the customers that they're going after or their prospects that they're going after. And I said, and, and I commented on Cargo Margot's post that companies should be incentivizing this by quarterly, maybe monthly, at least annually on encouraging your employees to build their personal brand. But most companies haven't done this because they're afraid of spilling, you know, quote unquote, too many company secrets. But if you think about it from the, the eagle eye lens, you have companies like McDonald's that are out here creating videos and creating content on how to make a Big Mac at home. They're not worried about losing customers because they taught some people online about how to make a Big Mac at home. So keeping that in your perspective, that, that's where we need to get away from that lens of we don't want our employees sharing too many company secrets. And of course, there are trade secrets. They're not giving away you know, the, the, the recipe to the, the, the Big Mac sauce, but they're giving, they're giving you tools to engage and become closer and develop that affinity or keep that top of mind with McDonald's by telling you some of their secrets and processes of the behind the scenes action. So if you're wondering, if you haven't started actually creating this program, or if you're thinking about getting a program started, like encouraging your employees to post more on social media, then I want to show up this example from one of my favorite companies to follow, uh, really in podcasting, uh, content creation, LinkedIn in particular, the company is Refine Labs, fantastic podcast, by the way, but they broke out an entire list of ways that you can get this program started for your company. And the first thing that I want to note is lead by example. So if you're an executive or a leader within the company and you want to prove the value of this program, you have to do it too. You have to lead by example. The next tip that they give you is to allow time. That means that letting your employees post to social media during work hours. They're checking social media anyways, so you, why not incentivize them to build their personal brand? Because that, by correlation, that helps you build your company's brand presence. And then the next tip that they give is don't force company contact or co company content. Marketing's job is to make content worth sharing. If you have to get your entire company to like a post to gain traction, you're not going to realistically see the value in that post long-term and your target audience isn't going to see that either. So not forcing your employees to go ahead and post that new blog article or to post a new video. If they like the video, they absolutely should, but it shouldn't be something that you're forcing your employees to do. And the final tip that they give is to provide incentives. 
and they they end it with it, it sort of goes back to that earlier point that I made that you could be incentivizing the best performing posts on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis, at least on an annual basis. But they close out the Refine Labs closes out that post by saying employee brands are equally as valuable as a company brand, and when done well, they can become synonymous. Invest in employees, and they will pay it back tenfold. Now, taking it from the company lens to the personal lens of, okay, well, I know this is important now and I should be doing it, but what is that next step to actually start posting to LinkedIn? And you want to post more. You're not exactly sure what to post and maybe how, how often you should be posting. So here's some tips from another one of my favorite followers. His name is Justin Welsh, and he gives some different ideas of what to post on LinkedIn, because you're probably going to experience the situation where you're waking up in the morning and you know you got to post something, but you're not exactly sure of what you should be posting. So let's go through a few of his ideas of what to post on LinkedIn. I'm not going to read off this entire list in case you're listening, but I'll, I'll give you a few of them just in case you're listening to the podcast. So he lists out a bunch of them. There are 21 items here, but a few of them that really stick out to me is to talk about a recent win or a recent failure, share something you're working on, share the top lessons you've learned in the last year, make a future prediction about the industry or a company, the top tools that you use, and then Justin goes on to end the post with creating consistent content is less about creativity and more about systems. And what this kind of translates into is to keep, you need to, to work on your own processes first. And this goes back to the lead by example, that the, the note that I mentioned earlier is that you need to keep a space for your processes and, and systems. And when I say that, I'm meaning your content creation as well as all of the rest of the business systems that you are employing as well. And so keep a space where you can keep those social media ideas. I personally use Google Docs. I use a project management software tool called ClickUp. Um, there are other tools out there that, you know, monday.com, Evernote, these are all I, places where you can store ideas and then turn them into actionable plans. Now, the next thing or the next tip that you could be aware of is that when you wake up in the morning, set aside 15 minutes to come up with a post of what you want to talk about. It takes 15 minutes, you do it first thing in the morning, and then it doesn't become one of those things that are just eventually put on the back burner. Or what you could do if you don't want to set aside time each day because things do pop up, there are fires to be put out anytime you're running a business or operating in a business. Set aside a couple hours on the weekend, on a Friday, maybe first thing Monday morning, set aside a couple hours, and then you can knock out a week's worth of posts or even a month's worth of posts in that short time frame. So then that way, when you do wake up in the morning, you don't have to be wondering, what am I going to post about today? Because you already have a list of ideas and a list of posts that are ready to go that you can pull from. So setting up that system and process in order to lead by example, because if there's one person within the company that can set up that system and process, then that is going to be repeatable for other employees to start jumping in and doing the same thing. So that's part of the whole entire program of encouraging employees to start building their personal brand. And how do you get them to start posting? Well, there's certain systems and processes that you can take advantage of that I just mentioned above and that other companies have shared. And I'll end this with another post from, from Justin Welsh on managing how and when to post content and which most of this image is about managing your time and processes in order to prioritize the content so it doesn't end up on the back burner. But this gym is one of my favorites because he says on the first of each month, and this is keep in mind that with what he's talking about, you have to be posting consistently for a while 
And then you can start using this system of what I'm about to mention that he says on the first of each month, go back and look at what you posted five months ago. Take your top 10 posts from the month and edit them slightly. Then you can post them again for the upcoming month. This is not going to be your entire strategy, but it's going to knock out a good chunk of it. If you think about, if you take your top 10 posts, you're try, if your goal is to post every day, that knocks out a good third of the posts that you have to come up with. And he ends it with this final note, because this is something that I always think about as well, because it's half the work is done for you because nobody remembers your content like you remember your content. So it can kind of feel like you're talking about the same things over and over and over again, if you're already posting to LinkedIn, but in reality, nobody is going to remember, Hey, you person on the internet posted that five months ago, what are they going to do if they even realize it? it's going to be if somebody even does recognize that they're not going to say anything, they'll probably like the post again, and then just keep moving on about their day. So don't stress about it. Set up those system and processes, lead by example, and then other employees within your within the company, and maybe even the executive leadership team can start to it can start to take part in these same processes because they've seen the value of it and they can start building on it. But if you're a company executive or if you're a leader within the company and you want to get a program like this started, start posting, lead by example, create some system and processes, know that it's probably going to be adjusted on uh, along the pathway that you're on. But then it starts to snowball. Don't expect results within the first couple of months and then just say, okay, it's not working. I'm just going to quit. You have to promise to yourself that if you start this journey, you're going to do it for at least six months and then you're going to measure the results. Because in all honesty, what I'm talking about here is this journey on LinkedIn, especially among the freight community, the people that you're seeing that are getting a lot of traction within the freight community have been doing it for a couple of years now. So don't think you're going to see success like that if you start posting tomorrow. So that's my final little tip and takeaway start incentivizing your employees and you lead by example. And then you can take advantage of the awesome organic reach that LinkedIn still has. TikTok and LinkedIn are the best platforms when it comes to organic reach. And so if, you, if you're going to miss the boat, then you have no one to blame but yourself. So get on the train. All right, let's go into our first guest. Let's go ahead and bring on Lena Acosta. She is the CMO over at GLT Logistics. Welcome in, Lena. Hi, Blythe. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I've been trying to get you on for a while now, new year. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and, uh, you know, sort of dive on into the discussion. You know, for folks who who aren't aware, can you you give us a little bit of background of your career and, and how you came into working in logistics? Sure. Well, everything started when I came here to the United States. I'm originally from Colombia, as you can tell by my accent. Um, I came here back in 2006 uh, to do an internship, and I did it in a freight forwarding company. Um, after that, uh, like two years later, I co-founded uh, a, a broker, a 3 uh, The name uh, was 1A Intermodal. It was uh, our former company because um, few years later on, we merged to another company called Ground Logistics and Transportation. And after that, we became GLT Logistics after that merger. So yeah, everything started then in 2006 um, with 1A Intermodal. I was, I started off as 
um, sales person, operations person, accounting, everything, doing everything by, by myself, uh, with my partner at that time. Um, and after that, I moved into the administrative part of the company. And when we merged, we decided to create our marketing team. So after that was when we I started working in marketing, uh, and I'm loving it. So that's briefly my my journey in logistics. <laughs> well, it's, I, I love that you brought that up because you mentioned how your all your roles within the other company probably give you a fantastic perspective into what is working within marketing and what isn't. So, so tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your marketing aspirations are, are, I see that you guys are doing, you know, tons of videos and, and, you know, creating different content like that. So, so tell me, was marketing always a passion for you or did you just sort of just find yourself into, cause, cause that's how I, I just sort of stumbled into marketing because of other passions. It, it sounds like that is a similar mm-hmm. journey for you too. Yeah. Well, in my case, when I was in in the administrative part of the company i had the i had the chance to work in like in everything like in the like in finance but also doing a little bit of marketing like uh e-blast things like that so then i had the opportunity to see a little bit about marketing and i really liked it and what i like about marketing is that it's a mix of art and science and i have my artistic like part so that's i think that's why i love it um and after that uh, when we decided to create the the marketing uh department so i i started to like learning a lot about marketing and everything and it was kind of challenging at the at the beginning but it was it, it has been a great journey and i and i hope to keep working on this field forever i love it that's awesome. I mean, you can definitely tell that you have the creative artistic eye just by the background um, in, in your video right now. It looks gorgeous. <laughs> so no, yeah, some of them of, are oh. my paintings, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're your paintings. Wow. Awesome. I, even better. Um, so, yeah. I, I mean, speaking of beautiful things, you're, you're based in Miami, Florida, and, and it's been awesome to watch the growth of the freight and the tech scene in that area, you know, coming for everybody coming yeah. from all over parts of the country in order to move to Miami in order to take advantage of the growing tech scene that's there. What's it been like to watch the evolution of Miami come into its own as being sort of the, you know, a, a tech and freight sort of mecca of the U.S.? That's right. Yeah, well, we, I mean, I have been amazed by the growth of Miami. I mean, since after since last year, we have been getting a lot of people in Miami. I moved from an area called Brickell to another area, which is a little bit more quiet because it was packed. So I had to move to another apartment and, and the rents, the, 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 the prices of, of, of the properties and everything are going up and up. But that's a good thing. I mean, I, lo- I love that because it shows that the... Uh, the, the economy here is growing, uh, opportunities are growing. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to be part of this city. Actually, I love it. So, so yeah, that's, and, and, and I know that is becoming kind of um, uh, Silicon Valley, which is mm-hmm. actually very good. 
I, I yeah. absolutely I'm a Florida resident as well. I'm a little bit further north up in Jacksonville. So we're pretty much like South Georgia, but I still take credit for all good things happening in Florida. Yeah. Now, now switching gears a little bit to the, the, the marketing side of things with, with, with your role in you guys have really been ahead of the game, especially when it comes to to video marketing. You guys started this back in 2017 and, and with a, an industry that's really sort of historically dated, outdated. It takes people a while, I think, in this industry to adapt newer technology and newer marketing strategies. What were some of the reasons why you all d- decided to get video marketing started up for, for your company? Well, when we started our marketing department, um, I guess we were pretty focused to, to be like ahead of the game, as you were saying. Um, we started focusing on different strategies. Uh, one of them was to, to be in like on LinkedIn, as you were talking a few minutes ago. Um, and we were forced or yeah, we, we tried to to change the mindset of our company. We, we started a journey to start uh, adapting some of these initiatives inside the company. That was kind of a big challenge uh, for us. Uh, but yeah, we, we started to see that we needed to be um, like very like tech, I mean, towards technology in marketing and being um, in, on LinkedIn and these virtual platforms for us to, to be able to thrive. And actually that was kind I'm thankful we, we started working on this uh, since 2017 and we started uh, creating a, kind of a mindset inside the company to, to um, inviting them to be on LinkedIn um, for us to start uh, getting this content creating about, I mean, with videos and a lot of um, visual stuff that we were able to showcase through social media. Um, because when, when the pandemic started, we were able to switch gears real quick and we we were able to adapt and then we we were able to 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 create our for instance our events that were initially in person we were able to to change those to in person i mean to virtual events and we were able to create uh, these videos and everything that you are talking about yeah, because one of your your sessions that that we were um, discussing in the pre-show notes is that you moved, you had these um, logistics sessions that you were hosting, and then you moved them to virtual. And then at the, it was due to COVID, but you ended up ended up being a great thing because you ended up raising money for a charity called Allen, which is the American Logistics Aid Network, and in their work to provide resources to nonprofit disaster relief organizations helping to solve the most pressing supply chain challenges. Can you give us a rundown of, of what you're planning, how you're, you're planning to take those virtual events and evolve them for, for maybe 2022? Are you going to keep them virtual? Are you going to maybe do some in person, maybe a, a, a hybrid approach? Sure. Of course. So, um, yeah, as I was telling at that time, we were pretty much uh, into in-person events and we created our logistics program, uh, our logistics sessions program, I'm sorry, back in 2018. And it is wow. actually a uh, award-winning program. We, we, we received the Compass Awards from the TMSA. 
um, so in 2020, actually. So uh, that I mean, the, and the purpose of these logistics sessions programs is to provide knowledge and educational content uh, for our community, the industry, to help them thrive in their businesses, in their day-to-day -day roles. Um, so when we had the pandemic outbreak, we were pretty much ready in like to, we, we did have like the virtual setup for us to, to start doing these events mm -hmm. virtually, right? And we had the, we had big part of our, of our team already on LinkedIn. Uh, we had been working already in our profiles I mean, in our personal profiles, as you were talking a few minutes ago, we, we started working on our personal profiles for them to become nice. um, like stronger. And then so our company profile could grow as well. So we were able to switch um, to these virtual events really quickly. And we started um, promoting our summit back in the one we had in 2020, the one you were talking about, uh, Logistics Industry United Against COVID-19. Mm. And it was an amazing summit. We were able to bring um, speakers, C-level executives from XPO Logistics, from Estes Express, uh, I mean, their CEO, Rob Estes, uh, the president of um, XPO, um, P44, drugs, whatnot, and we, and, and it was very special, and, and, and the purpose of this was to to help the community and the Alan, as you were mentioning, and so we were able to bring the, the like, the community and the industry together to work towards um, a common thread, which was the, 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 the COVID, so, so it was amazing, and after that, we we kept working on these um, virtual events. So we, last year, for instance, we had like uh, five events, more or less. I don't remember the exact oh, number, wow, maybe nice. five or six. Yeah, we had one about e-commerce. Um, we had one about customer experience. When we have we had those uh, five events, and now this year we we plan to keep uh, growing and. Um, and getting stronger with this logistics sessions program to to keep helping the the community through through associations like the Alan and and, and to keep uh, bringing educational content to to our community and keep inspiring the industry. I think we need inspiration. Um, Definitely. And, yeah. So and so to, with, and to be growing a community. The... Well, well, with your logistics sessions that, that, that you're hosting, those seem to be more, you know, open to the public, you know, inviting incredible speakers to, to come join in on the discussion. Now, what about the, the university? Because you guys also have a university program where it's furthering educational content from within your, the company. So do those mm -hmm. two programs, are they, they kind of the same thing? Or do you offer different educational opportunities for the employees within the organization too? Yeah, good question. Well, yeah, um, the GLT University is right now is for our team. I mean, for our team at GLT. Sure. So we have uh, the GLT University, but we are uh, where we train our people 
we, we even had uh, a classroom and everything. We had different sessions, we had different topics and it is growing. Um, That's awesome. Like, yeah, it is actually growing year by year. Um, now we are expanding that to our customers. So we had, we already had a couple of sessions with customers and we are planning to keep growing uh, the that's Yield cool. University. And, and of course that, and, and that's how I see the future of logistics mm-hmm. sessions to, to, to become uh, like a very big uh, program, educational program that, uh, that works with, with Yield University. A, I love that. It sounds like, you know, education for the customers, um, education for just general awareness among the industry, and then also education for your, your employees as well. It sounds like there's a lot of things, you know, that, that could play off of each other and complement each other, which is, which is really cool to see and way ahead of the game for a lot of companies out there, you know, it, prioritizing education, because I think that that matters when it comes to retention as well. Now, you mentioned the, the, the TMSA earlier, and you're, you're a board member on on the TMSA, what made you get involved with the association and, and what sort of goals do you do you have for the future as serving as a board member? Sure. Well, I love TMSA. I started my journey with the TMSA back in 2017 when we were creating our marketing department at GLT. So they, one of the first things I did was to look for an association that could support our new department. I like to know people in the in the field and especially in the industry. So so it was like perfect for us to find us an association that was focused on on marketing, sales, and in logistics. So I started um, at that time, and I, I we have been members since then and. Like a year later, uh, I got an offer from Mark Dirks, a friend of mine. And now he's the CMO of Blue Grace Logistics. Um, and he invited me. I mean, at that time, he was my our, our coach, our coach for marketing. Um, and he invited me to participate as a board member. And I was very honored to, to be... Um, uh, the, uh, as a board member to, for the TMSA, and after and now I'm a marketing co-chair, um, marketing committee co-chair, and I'm been working since last year in this marketing committee. Um, yeah, and my plan right now is to is to help um, the association. I mean, I know the TMSA has going has been going through like kind of challenging times because of the the pandemic uh sure. one of the one of the like the main um like main programs for the TMSA is the is the annual conference and it used to be in person so so of course that's 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 a challenge that we need to overcome so so I'm so I, I invest a lot of time in the TMSA actually, and it's sometimes it's very challenging for me to find the time to do uh, everything for GLT and, and for the TMSA as well. But I love it because the TMSA is a is a um, an amazing association where you can find peers, competitors from uh, and learn from and learn a lot a lot from them. So that's what we it. have been doing. And it is actually a community where we are friends, we make friends and we, and we meet very interesting people. 
for for our business and for our personal yeah, it, lives as well. I, I think with with the the TMSA in particular, it's always nice to have you know collaboration over competition, and and I feel like mm-hmm. that that's sort of the ethos of the association is is moving forward is is really you know sort of banding together and figuring out what's working well for your company. Well, maybe I can you know implement some of that in my company and finding ideas and really sharing yeah. those ideas. Like I said, collaboration over competition. Now, 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 That's final it. question, what, what, uh, what's left in store for, for you for the rest of the year, for your marketing initiatives, what should be, what should folks be on the lookout for? Well, right now, um, one of our pro- top priorities is our uh, CX strategy. We are a very customer centric company. We have been, that's, part of our DNA, but we wanted to formalize that and we we created our CX uh, department last year. So one of our top priorities right now is to implement uh, the strategy that we already have for this department. And, and because we are very strong in technology as well, but we always want to have that balance between technology and custom and good relationships with our customers. So they have that human part be, behind everything. So that's one of Love our that. top priorities because our one of our main goals is our customer retention. So that's even like above uh, lead generation. So that's one of them. And also we have a new service called LTL for brokers that we launched uh recently i mean last year but when we are one of our top priorities for this year is to keep growing um that service and it is mainly uh, a service where we offer another brokers uh we offer them to be kind of their ltl department i'm talking Mm -hmm. about brokers that are focused on mainly on fdl and heavy hauling So we offer them to be their LTL department behind the scenes. I mean, in front of their customers. Um, I mean, we will use their their brand, not ours. So their customers wouldn't know GLTs behind the scenes. Um, the good thing is that there is not investment for them to do. Uh, I mean, there, there, there are not, in, um, yeah, any, any investment for, for them to make because uh, it is based on a profit split uh, structure. So, nice. so yeah, it is kind of a very, kind of a different service. I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's almost like a white label program for, yeah, for logistics, right. which oh. is, I, I think, you know, sort of that logistics as a service, I think for, for some other companies that, that they're, that they're doing, which sounds awesome. It sounds like you got, you have a lot of uh, work on your plate. I don't know how you balance it all, but, but you're doing it. Very well. All right, Lena, where can folks follow more of your work? Um, LinkedIn, I imagine, is, is a good place to get started. Yeah, yeah, of course. LinkedIn, of course. Yeah, right now, I mean, this this year, last year, we had a, a huge growth in our company and we had it to, to kind of stop for a little bit. Uh, we grow, uh, we had to hire more pe- people for our marketing team and um, for company in general. So I had to stop a little bit nice. uh, with my things on LinkedIn, but now I'm back. So yeah, I'm planning to, to keep growing my, our presence, not only my, my profile, but my, my team profile and our company uh, profile and everything. So yeah, that's basically one of, I mean, LinkedIn is, is a very strong platform for B2B. And, and for Absolutely. Our business. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Well, I will link in the show notes of where they can follow you over on LinkedIn. Th- thank you so much, Lena, for, for coming on the show. It's awesome to see you, your, your, your growth within the industry and, and to see you adopting, you know, sort of newer, at, well, newer for freight uh, technologies with video marketing and, and university learning and partnering w- w- with different companies. So thank you again for coming on the show. And I'll link to your profile in the show notes for anybody who wants to connect with you. Thank you so much, Blythe, for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank thank you again. So from one awesome guest to our next awesome guest, let's go ahead and bring on Cameron Pache. He is the partner owner at Valley Trucking Insurance, and he's also the host of Get a Load of This podcast. Now, let's go ahead and welcome in Cameron. Thank you so much for joining the show. Blythe, what's happening? How are you? I'm doing well, and I, I want to give folks a little bit of a background of of sort of how we met because Cameron and I met because he has a podcast called Get a Load of This, and I probably wouldn't have found out about his company unless he invited me to come on the show. So to anybody out there who's thinking about starting a podcast, that's the value of it because you can actually build relationships with people, and then those relationships, you know, formalize into other opportunities. So so, so thanks you know, for, for coming on the show. But before we talk about the podcast, I, I wanted to ask you sort of a, I guess, a loaded question going back to your, your podcast title, but what are some of the most challenging things about trucking insurance today? I think a lot of the challenges, people don't prioritize it in their, let's say, business plan. I think they view it as a commodity. And that's in part due to, I think, the industry, in part due to advertising and you know, folks like Progressive and Geico that just make it a thing that you just buy in 15 minutes. But people fail to understand that when you don't partner with an industry professional, I think spe- specifically for trucking, there's a lot of nuances, contract language, things that um, people don't fully understand. And unless they do it day in and day out and have the training and the legal background or the legal support from the carriers that uh, you could potentially get in trouble and be out of pocket a ton of money on a claim. Well, well, speaking of the, you know, sort of the ownership side of things now with, with you in particular, what got you into, you know, insurance and specifically trucking insurance? So background, my family, um, I have quite a few truckers in there. My aunt and uncle were team drivers from, I'm up in Spokane, Washington, Northwest corner, and they, they pretty much ran to Florida. So kind of corner to corner, coast to coast. So I grew up in the shop working with them. Um, on the big rigs and stuff like that. I fell into insurance really at the age of about 20. A good friend of mine, uh, him and I had ventured into it and I fell in love with it. And I think what was cool is you were able to meet amazing people. You're able to protect what they built and they value, which could either be on a basic sense, auto and home. But for truckers, um, my background just led me to working with truckers just because I think it's probably the greatest industry in the country. And um, I just love the people that I get to work with day in and day out. Some of the greatest folks that I've ever chatted with. So, absolutely. Like likewise, I completely agree with that that sentiment. Now, speaking of truckers, the majority of carriers in this country, about ninety percent of them have seven trucks or less. And so, what what are some of the ways that that carriers, some of the smaller guys, can compete with with some of the larger carriers, especially with you know trying to maintain insurance premiums, which seems to be a big challenge for a lot of these smaller carriers. Yeah, especially as uh, the other areas of the industry go up percentage for fuel cost, um, some of the logistic issues, the the cost per mile. A lot of people, I think, instantly go to what's a big chunk of the budget, and that's insurance. So they're immediately looking to find savings there, which I think is uh, 
is awesome. But I think that people go about it potentially the wrong way, getting a bunch of quotes from a bunch of random people, which then I think opens up the door to not keep what is most important in mind. And that's their asset, right? That is making sure that the trucks stay running on the road, return to the road as quick as possible if and when something happens, along with you're starting to see if you follow anything with the associations, nuclear verdicts where these truck drivers are starting to get hit with massive lawsuits, like tens of millions of dollars. And for the most part, really most of your carriers are going to have a million dollars in coverage. Once the insurance company pays that million, it's left to the trucking company. And so what we focus on is a little bit of a different approach where we try to partner with and coach the companies from your new owner operator up to fleets. We have large fleets as well, where we do a quarterly coaching call. We align with them for DOT monitoring. We utilize technology quite a bit with automation and video and um, just what we have available for resources. And long-term approach and strategy, it really helps for us to keep an eye on out of service. You know, what is their inspection protocol look like and maintenance schedule look like? How do we make sure that in the eyes of insurance and DOT and that in, in the event they got drug into a lawsuit for a claim, that they are going to stand up in court and, you know, not be deemed um, unfit to operate or a risk to the public. And so that starts with driver file maintenance back to even like your driver hiring guidelines. And what do you do when you bring this person on? So we really try to encompass an all around approach, coaching approach and strategy along with uh, technology and equipment and um, just partnerships that we utilize to bring value to them. I love that because then you're 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 getting them ahead of the game before they find themselves in an extremely difficult situation where it could cause them to to go out of business and and so being able to to coach them on a regular basis I love that now now switching gears a little bit because I imagine this is sort of related with your podcast I, that has to be like that tool of communication that I would imagine for a lot of your target audience a, am I wrong in that thinking or is that how, or do you approach the podcast a little bit differently. No, I mean, the pro the podcast is solely there to bring value, uh, whether it's uh, somebody thinking about getting a truck or investing in the transportation industry or a fleet manager. Um, really, we're just trying to bring awesome guests, which is what led me to you. And thank you for being on uh, is to find people that truly want to help the trucking community and bring value that could either be in the way of disrupting with new technology better performing on what they've got for the existing strategy or just other industry professionals that are there to help. And I think what I hear time and time again from my drivers or my insureds that I work with day to day is they don't have a ton of resources available or the information that's out there may not be the best information, right? Because anyone with a camera can put content out and it may or may not be viable to them. So we just wanted to bring value in any way that we can and just try to have an area where we don't talk about insurance because I feel like once you do that, people tune out. It's really just how can we bring value? How can we set someone up for success long term? What are some tools that maybe folks don't even realize that they are missing out on that can enhance their company and their customer experience from, you know, shippers and receivers and data communication and using technology to help better them, too, um, which at the end of the day, it's all about maximizing profit, uh, reducing risk, keeping the trucks on the road. That's the ultimate goal for us. 
So it, it sounds like that was sort of the ethos of why you wanted to get a podcast started, because I think for a lot of organizations, it's almost like the employee going to the ownership group or the leadership group and expressing to them that they want to start a podcast. And the first question that that group is typically going to ask is, well, what's the ROI of this? But you as the owner, you <laughs> saw the value in it. You you co-founded the, the, the podcast, Get a Load of This. And so in addition to that, what is the ROI for you? For, for starting a podcast? Um, I'm not going to relate it to like an ROI in a traditional business sense of like dollars in, you know, dollars out type thing. Sure. For me, I think what it does is it establishes us as a authority. It establishes us as a resource center where people can go get educated. And so a lot of what we do as an insurance professional in a partnership and try to align with our clients is they have a lot of questions, right? They're making decisions. Hey, we want to um, expand and grow. We're potentially looking at getting a brokerage side of things going. Hey, we want to buy five trucks or, hey, part of the onboarding process is what do you want to do in one year, three and five? But I also figure out what the background of the client was so I can understand what their motivations are. And a lot of that is just built based upon them. It's it's um, let's call it customized. But that's what the coaching calls kind of map through. And then I that's where I started to find things that we can bring value to. And as opposed to just having a one-on-one -on -one conversation every time, why not put it in a podcast? Like, you know, truck drivers are on the road. They can just listen to the podcast if they find value in it or entertained. And then we can add a ton of content there and just bring a ton of value that folks can just find at their leisure and, and not have to be talking to us. So. I love that. Pro provide value first and then business results will come later on because like you said, it, ROI is different for everyone. And I think that that's one of the questions that that most leadership teams will ask. And it, it's, it's sort of, I don't want to say it's a dumb one because ROI is different for everybody, but it's one of those questions that it, it has to, it can't just be dollars and cents. It has to make other sense really to, in order to provide that value, provide that information first. And then the, the ROI will come later on. I, there, there's one company that I can think of off the top of my head that they started making safety focused content and that's BCB Transport and their insurance premiums lowered because they were preaching so much about safety. So ROI comes in different shapes and, and formats. So if anybody's out there thinking of, you know, if you want to start a podcast, it doesn't necessarily have to be centered around um, monetary value. Have you ever had or have you had a moment when you're recording the podcast that you've said, wow, I, I really love doing this? Oh, a lot of moments. And I think the first ones, you're scariest, right? It's new and exciting. But then as you go, you get more comfortable. And what's great about that is it's unscripted 100% and it's just free flow. So wherever the conversation goes, and really it's getting the, the guest to talk about what they bring to the table and why they're valuable to the trucking industry. And, and really we all share a common passion as, as it is with trucking it's really easy to talk to them and open up. You start to realize things that maybe some folks try to either educate themselves, like for example, insurance. When somebody goes and buys their own insurance, they understand I need a million, I need a hundred thousand cargo. Like they understand that they need a couple of things, but they don't actually know what that means. And what they're actually mm -hmm. purchasing is a contract from an insurance company in the event of a claim. And they don't fully understand what that contract means and the legal jargon means when the time of a claim comes. Same with other lines such as accounting or um, load boards and these technology services and stuff that are out there. 
you start to realize they're experts in their arena. And so then it just kind of pushes me to find great people to partner with, such as yourself for marketing and say, you need to go talk to Blythe. You need to go talk to, I've got folks with Kenworth or wherever. They are there to help you. They are an asset to your company and they're not in it for themselves. You know, they truly are passionate and care and they're high level of what they do. And so it just helps us find folks that I trust that I can endorse. That's probably the, the aha moment that I really have enjoyed. That's awesome. I appreciate it. I'd always love to get compliments. And yeah. I swear I didn't tell you to say any of that to anybody who is listening. Now, for, from your perspective, what, what's coming up in the new year for, for Valley Trucking Insurance, for the podcast, all that good stuff? Well, I think we might have lost Cameron there for a second, but I imagine it's going to be he would have answered that question um, with a lot of good things that are coming up in the future, because I know he's got a hell of a podcast, which I linked to in the show notes. So you can go and and check that out there. Um, Valley Trucking, I'm sure he's going to use that as an opportunity to, to raise awareness about the different things that he should, you know, or that companies should keep on top of mind of whenever it comes to all of the different things that are involved in insurance, which is something that I, I wish that I knew more about. I know a little bit of the nuances, but not nearly as much as, as some of the guys that are in the trenches. So if you want to follow more of Cameron's work, I link to it in the show notes. So you can check out his podcast and you can check out um, his website, Valley Trucking Insurance. I think it's also get a load of this podcast.com if you want to subscribe. So it was definitely um, really insightful and it's really cool to see companies take that approach with their podcasting in order to take their business to the next level, but not see those immediate, you know, sort of monetary ROI goals, as we were mentioning earlier. So let's go ahead and let's segue into our final topic, because the FreightWave Sales and Marketing Summit was just yesterday. I watched all of it. And all of it is on demand right now in case you want to check out any of those episodes. It was a full lineup, full slate of, of different speakers and a lot of the best talent really on Freight Waves was interviewing some of the best talent that's doing all of the cool things in sales and marketing. And one of the bigger things from the summit were methods of the great resignation or methods to tackle the great resignation and, and how it really starts with retention of top talent. So a few of the key notes or a few of the key takeaways, I'll start with this one, Mary O'Connell's chat. She's the host of Check Call, which is a, a, a great show, newsletter, go subscribe. You can find all that, all this information really for, for Mary's um, show and for the rest of these shows I'm about to mention, all on Freight Waves TV. So she was chatting with Kyle Costco. He's the chief people person at Legal or Legion Logistics, which I love that title, chief people person, because it, obviously you're, you're putting people first. Um, but he mentioned surveying employees to ask them about their ideal career path. And I love that approach because you're surveying your current employees to find out where the problems arise, and then you can tackle them before it becomes a situation where other employees start chatting with each other, and maybe they, it starts to become a, a group effort where everybody starts looking for other jobs. It's sort of something similar to what uh, Max over at the, the company WorkHound, he does with driver retention, and he surveys drivers on a regular basis in order to find out their issues before it becomes a bigger problem where you can't manage it. So surveying your employees, that was a great tip from Kyle Costco, the chief, chief people person over at Legion Logistics. Um, Costco also mentions that looking for employees that have more of a culture fit 
and transferable skills than someone who has 15 years of logistics experience has really helped them as far as their recruiting challenges during the great resignation. And I love that approach because you're looking for, say, for example, a, a waiter or a waitress. And it's one of those things where if you have a waiter or a waitress, you you would likely have some good selling skills. You likely have um, some, some good opportunities for folks to take those skills of talking to perfect strangers and then upselling them on solutions based on the conversations that they're having. So hiring folks that have transferable skills, not necessarily you know, long-term logistics experience. So really good tips um, from that conversation. Then there was another conversation with Dooner. He talked to Outreach.io's Revenue Enablement Manager. That's a really great title. Um, but he talked with uh, the Revenue Enablement Manager, Brooke Bashista, and she believes in incentivizing their employees for every level of their career at for each position. So that was another really cool takeaway that no matter what position that she wants to incentivize you and find out where your goals are within the organization so they can create that pathway to, to leadership and future responsibilities. Then there was another one from Grace Sharkey's talk with Nick Dangles. And he said that learning what entry-level employees are doing and what they're struggling with before you make software investments. Because a lot of the different software technology out there, some of the, I don't want to say like low-level employees, but some of the entry-level employees, they're the ones that are going to be using this software the most. So if you find out what their pain points are, what their struggle points are, then you should find those out first before you make that software investment. And then from the keynote with Kevin Nolan and Cassandra Gaines, who was uh, interviewing him, he said, Kevin Nolan said to make sure your employees and new hires are aware of those systems and processes that you have in place. So being, it's one thing to, to have systems and processes in place, but you have to actually be able to communicate those systems and processes and make them repeatable. So then that way, the rest of the employees and the rest of the team can, can take advantage of those same things that you're trying to implement. Because if you have those systems and processes in place, then it's repeatable for any new hires or anybody joining maybe from one department or another. So those were some of my favorite tips. I'm going to mention a couple last ones because Chris Jolly, he's one of my favorite follows on social media, as I'm sure for a lot of you folks out there. Uh, but one of his bigger tips, separate from the great resignation, but kind of a kind of similar, but he said to get to know other people in other departments. If you're doing business with somebody, say you land a big deal as a broker, you land a big deal with a company and you have one point of contact. If you take that one point of contact, you need to be making other contacts within that company because if the great resignation is affecting all the other industries, it's probably going to affect some of your customers as well. And if you lose that single point of communication, then you're also losing the opportunity to keep that customer. So his advice was to make connections within other people, make connections with accounting, carrier relations, other points of contact within that company. And then that should solidify your position should there ever be a leadership or a management change um, for that customer that you just landed. So I thought that that was another really good tip. I could go on and on about the rest of the tips um, from the event, but you can watch all of them on demand over at tv.freightwaves.com. Um, tons, like I said, tons of great insight. And I also gave a talk on TikTok in case you want to check that out because it's, I think TikTok is sort of an intimidating platform for a lot of folks. But once you get on the platform, you can see that that's really where the most creative content is, is being made right now. And a lot of that content that is going viral, it hits TikTok first. And then it makes its way to Twitter, to Instagram, to LinkedIn. I've seen a bunch of videos from TikTok with the watermark on the video go viral on over on LinkedIn. So if you want to know where the most creative content is happening, go to TikTok. At least just start to digest and see what's working on that platform first before you dive in. And then you can always watch my talk and figure out how to get started on TikTok as well. 
that about does it for this week's show. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. We will be back next week right here, Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right up until 3 o'clock. Um, we are here every single Thursday, so be sure to tune in. You can check out more of my work over at digitaldispatch.io. And like I said, we'll be back next week with more great content. Thank you all for tuning in and hope you have a fabulous day.